It sounded kind of like a bottle of rum, like a pirate thing. It did kind of sound like a bottle of rum. That's pretty good. That'll do. You're listening to The Tales We Tell, a podcast about spooky stories, unsolved mysteries, and local lore. I'm your host, Hannah Parch. And I'm Katie. We're doing good. Mm-hmm. We're recording on a Thursday. And we're supposed to have a nice ice storm tonight mm-hmm. slash tomorrow. Yep. The yeah. rain has already started. And when I was walking out the door, Sean's like, oh, it's still warm out there. And I was like, the f*** it is. <laughs> Define warm. Like, it's already started raining. I thought the rain was supposed to start later. And second of all, yeah, when I pulled up to your house, the car thermometer said 43. Mm-hmm. So... I am not looking forward to what it says when I get back out there. Yeah, it's just supposed to, like, steadily drop. But the good news is, is we don't have to work tomorrow. Do you have to work? I mean, from home. Oh. But. I don't have to work. (laughs) I'm going to take it easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been (laughs) torturing Katie by telling her about next week's episode, which is going to be really, really, really bad. And I apologize in advance. But she texted me tonight, and she was like, I, I don't know why I'm talking about you in third person. Because <laughs> you're telling a story I about am. me. It doesn't matter if I'm here or not. You're not really talking to me. I said, this is going to be, I'm, I'm calling it, this one will be worse than Albert Fish. And then later tonight, you texted me and said, I don't think I can handle Albert Fish tonight. Are we doing that one Sunday? <laughs> so, yes. I'm bringing hot chocolate bombs. Yes. And I might be drinking whiskey that night. That's fine. Depends. But this one's going to be a nice kind of mild one. I meant to look up the pronunciation of this one and I forgot to. (laughs) So you guys will hear it live. Uh, Did you have something to say? Your face looked. Uh, Man, don't trust my face or anything these days. (laughs) Katie's Uh. pregnancy brain is showing. (laughs) It's not not great, guys. Uh. (laughs) I'm struggling. Okay, I have a couple announcements. The first one is a big thank you to our listener, Amanda, because she sent me personally dog pictures unprompted. Like, I just got a, a Instagram message to my personal account of her sweet little dog, um, and he's a, a bully pit, but he's a puppy still, mm-hmm. so he's just, oh, just so cute. But she sent me a bunch of pictures, which warmed my heart, and I also just want to remind everyone that... Uh, pictures of your cute animals are always welcome. And if you want to send them to us, Katie, how can people reach us? You can us? find us on Instagram at the Tales We Tell podcast. Same thing on Facebook. If you don't do the social media, but you want to see our pictures and send us something, you can go to our website, thetaleswetellpodcast.com. All of the uh, pictures from Facebook and Instagram are there. There's also a contact me portal there. And while we're at it, if you just... <laughs> If you don't have any cool dog pics to send us, but you want to support us, you can get yourself some sweet, sweet swag at redbubble.com. Search the tales we tell. And if you want to become patrons, you can go to patreon.com. Search the tales we tell podcast. All patrons get early access, Mm -hmm. stickers, and then bonus content, mini episodes, original stuff. Yep. Groovy things. 
And I'm going to put your murder cabin sweatshirt reminded me that I'm going to put... Are you okay? I'm good. Okay, I'm just making sure you're not, like, going into labor. (laughs) (laughs) That looked like a contraction, and I was like, wait, you have eight weeks left, Katie. That's that's me catching my breath. Okay. (laughs) I spoke too much. Very concerned. I've got a foot in my lung now, so... (laughs) Or actually, my lungs have to share space with the rest of my organs, (laughs) so... I thought this was going to be the moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, I've been having contractions all day. It's fine. I do have a story about that later. I'm going to put new designs on Redbubble, hopefully this weekend. One will be the murder cabin, yes. uh, which Katie is sporting. And one is, I don't know if I showed you, it's a crow. It's the word, f- <laughs> but with a crow as one of the letters. We're going to get those as stickers and through Crafty Criminologists. One of your welcome things as a patron is all new patrons get stickers, mm-hmm. plus like a postcard and like a letter and uh, or a note and stuff. A handwritten note with my forged signature. <laughs> yeah. Mm, <laughs> no, just all of our, you, me, and Jarek's signature all look exactly the same. That's yeah. all it is. <laughs> anyway, When you've the- been doing this for as long as we have, your handwriting, your signatures, they just. Yeah, yeah it just merges. <laughs> it's like they just sync up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just all we just all know each other. It's mm-hmm. good. Final announcement is if you do use Apple Podcasts, if that's how you're listening, it'd be very wonderful if you could leave us a kind review. I mean, you can leave us any kind of review you want. Kind ones are preferred. <laughs> or or you can just leave us five stars. Or however many stars you think we deserve. I don't like asking for specific things. But that helps us get seen by more people and heard by more people and yeah like comment share it's the easiest cheapest quickest way to uh support us yep okay you ready to hear me pronounce the word that i don't know which is the title of the you want to hear my story real quick oh yeah about contractions yeah okay uh so i'm at the stage where braxton hicks contractions are totally normal Uh like it could have started a couple weeks ago it could be now it could be in a couple weeks Uh and uh my last doctor's appointment i asked my OB, I'm like, well, I don't know if I've had any because I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. So she describes it to me. And the other night, Shelton and I were watching some football. And I'm sitting in the chair behind him or like next to him, but he's facing away from me. Uh-huh. And I just very calmly said, hmm, I think I just had my first contraction. <laughs> and he just slowly turns his head around me at me with this look of just sheer terror and confusion <laughs> and i just look at him i just, I let him sweat for a second i go braxton hicks and he goes oh okay <laughs> back to watching the game poor shelton <laughs> but i have a feeling that when i when i do go into actual labor uh-huh. and start having contractions i'm probably going to be that calm cool and collected and be like been having some contractions. I think my water just broke. <laughs> yeah, really we should time this. <laughs> well, I technically went into labor around 7.14 this morning. Yeah, but my uh, contractions haven't been regular and, you know, <laughs> close enough together oh until, gosh. you know, like the last hour. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, grab your bag. What do you mean you haven't <laughs> packed your bag? I've been on to you about this for months now. Yeah, to be fair, Shelton, if you're listening, which I know you're not... Um, you should have your go bag ready to go, I would say. Probably now would be a good time. 
I've started packing mine. I told I told him that he should probably start his soon too. His is a whole lot easier than mine. Yeah, mine's not that difficult anymore. Why? Because you're having a baby and he's not. <laughs> <sighs> he actually needs more clothes than I do. That's true. You get those nice hospital clothes. So. I have so many more questions for you, but there's... pronounce things for right. us, dearest. <laughs> Hold on, let me get my oh honey. Okay, oh, all honey. right. Oh honey. Okay, <laughs> I think I'm ready. Okay. This is the story of the Wanagata murders. Oh, honey. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Wanagata. It's a place in Australia, and it's got a bunch of N's and some T's in it. So, Wanagata. <laughs> Wanagata. I'm not going to say it that much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a southeastern... Oh, so it's in Victoria, okay. Australia, which is southeastern... It's northeast of Melbourne, and like much of Australia, Melbourne. Melbourne. What I say, Melbourne, Melbourne. I guess is how. Yeah, okay, that's how they say. <laughs> Our story takes place in the early twentieth century. So at this time, like much of Australia, there's not a ton of. There's a lot of open space out there, is what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of places where you're in the middle of nowhere, the frontier or the wild west. Yes, but. Down under. <laughs> so kind of like in the movie Australia with uh, uh, Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman. Never seen that, but I should. I like both of those actors. Mm-hmm. And aren't they both Australian? Nicole Nicole Kidman's Australian, isn't she? Or is she British? I don't know. Or is she American? No, she she is. She's Australian. Australian. Because Keith Urban she's... is Australian. Okay, then maybe she's not. No. Hugh Jackman is. Hugh Jackman is. I know We that. know that one. <laughs> We're not experts on uh, we are not movie stars. We're experts we're on weird and spooky and <laughs> morbid things. Yep, a lot of bad stuff lives in my brain right now. Okay, in 1916, there was a cattle station in this area, and it basically was just a remote homestead. I'm going to refer to it as the station throughout the story. Though. And it was managed by a man in his late 40s named Jim Barclay. Jim was regarded as a, quote, hardy and competent bushman and a, quote, contented man of simple tastes. He had lost his wife to tuberculosis and the infant son that they had at the time was sent to live with relatives because you know how men can't be raising babies. So Jim lived by himself at this station and his closest neighbor, which I don't know how close, like, this implies several miles away, mm-hmm. was a man named Harry Smith, who was the stepson of the original owner of the station. And Harry and Jim were, like, pretty good friends, but, again, lived very far apart. In December 1917, Jim decided that he wanted to hire a cook and a station hand. In my notes, I mistyped it and wrote, decided to hit a cook and station hand. He didn't do that. That we know of. That Well, he may have, yeah. So, some people are just jerks. This is true. I don't think Jim was. Uh, in my mind, he's not. No, he's he's a sad widower. Uh, <laughs> he lives a quiet. Who lives? Yeah, a quiet, simple life, mm-hmm. waiting for his child to be, you know, old enough that he can have a conversation with it, and you know, <laughs> teach it things. Yeah, as uh, you know. Yes. So this is 1917. There's a little thing called. The First World War going on. Heard of that one. It's fairly famous. You can look it up. And 
So this meant that there were not a ton of able-bodied men who were not fighting in the war and able to work. And so Jim ended up hiring an Englishman named John Bamford, who was in his late 50s. And John was probably not the ideal candidate, but, like, probably the best that he had given the circumstances. Yeah, not not the, like, strong farmhand he needed, but... <laughs> not the agreeable type, but he was there and able to do stuff. John was described as surly oh, and having a bad temper. Surly is a descriptor that I think we need to bring back. I feel like that describes or described me kind of this afternoon. <laughs> surly? I'm just, I'm so fed up with my stupid neighbor and his hoarding of vehicles. Uh, Especially he's parked in front of our house now. Like mm. normally he at least is respectful enough to leave that one spot open. Yeah. But we've got an ice storm coming. Yeah. We don't want to be parking on the street. Yeah. And, and like, Shelton had to park around the corner the last two days. Yeah. It's, uh, just call the, call the so city I've, on him. I've been very surly. I feel like you have to have a beard to be surly, but I'll allow it this time. I've got a big belly, like a big beard-looking gut. Does that count? Like, I can cross my arms and rest my arms on my belly. Oh, yeah. And it's so, like, you... I've got the posture of surly. Yeah, okay. I don't have the beard, but... I feel like cantankerous would be a good word to describe. Or like, uh... I don't know, I'm imagining you, like, standing barefoot on your porch with your arms crossed over your belly and, like... Cigarette hanging out yeah, my mouth. Yeah, cigarette hanging out of your mouth and, like, a... Curlers in my hair. Yeah. And they're like, there's that old... There's old Lady Hunt. Ugh. Don't... Kids disappear in her house or something. I don't know. You know, maybe kids had a, a rumor that you're a witch or something. I like that. <laughs> okay, so John is surly and bad-tempered. He was allegedly suspected of having strangled his wife, but there's literally nothing else about that except that it's probably not true because there's not any evidence. But... I don't know what people talking. Well, I don't know where his wife is and like she's not mentioned. I don't know if she died by strangulation and they were like probably John, but no one could prove it. So, I don't know. So he's accused of violence. I, I think it was a whole lot easier to disappear back in those days. And in the middle of Australia, yeah. you know. There was a local shopkeeper in one of the towns nearby named Albert Stout who warned Jim not to be, quote, drawn into arguments with John. Mind you, everyone has similar names, and I got really confused between Jim and John, so feel free to ask for clarification if need be. Early in John's employment, a witness who was visiting the station reported that the two men seemed to be on good terms. They weren't arguing. There didn't seem to be any tension. Eh, you know, avoid religion and politics, and you're yeah. pretty much good. Just do your work. Yeah. It's fine. Just, just keep conversation focused on the work. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Mm -hmm. Let's get to work. Yeah. Have, thank you for your help today. Have a good evening. I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah. Oh. Done. Done. Okay. So, <laughs> December 20th of 1917, Jim, so this is like shortly after John is hired. The two men go into town to vote in the reinforcement referendum which was a vote basically on whether or not Australia should have a military draft. Hmm. And 
that's not important at all to the story. <laughs> Except to tell you why they went into town. Hey, now we know for when it's on Jeopardy. This is true. They stayed the night with Albert Stout, the guy who warned Jim about John. <laughs> and then they headed back to Wanagata. Wan- Wanag- that's what I'm going to say. They headed back to the station around 10 o'clock the following morning. So that was December 20th. December 28th, the Gold Brothers, I don't know what their names were, just that they were brothers, were passing near the station. Probably John and Jim. Probably John and Jim, which is why they didn't say. And when they were about five miles away, they heard two men and a dog in the distance, and they assumed that this was John and Jim and Jim's dog, whose name was Baron, and they were moving cattle. And they didn't actually see them, but they heard them well enough to be like, that's probably them. And then they stopped at the station. They found that no one was there. And so, again, they assumed that John and Jim were just out doing whatever you do at a cattle station. So they left a note saying, hey, we stopped by, we're in the area, and then they left. So it was December 28th. January 22nd of the following year. So almost a month later. Almost a month later. Harry Smith, the neighbor, quote-unquote, comes to the station to deliver some mail. And when he gets there, neither Jim nor John were there. Their horses, as well as Baron the dog, was also not there. And there's a note on the kitchen door that said, Home tonight. The hallway that led to the bedrooms inside the station, so I guess, I don't know, again, I don't know how old-timey stations work. But there was, like, a hallway, and that was, like, the I guess the living quarters. The bedrooms were down there. Mm-hmm. There was a door to that, and it was locked. But nothing seemed out of place. So Harry was just like, I guess they're just out. Like, the horses are gone. The dog's gone. They're out. So Harry stayed a couple nights, hoping that he was going to catch them when they came back. They never came back, and so he left. That's such a weird concept. Like, it makes sense to me, because yeah. if, if you're traveling miles by mm-hmm. horseback, then, yeah, <laughs> And you're, you know, out in the bush, it's probably not at all safe to travel, you know, when it's dark. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, it makes sense to, you know, you go to visit somebody. Mm -hmm. You don't just go and visit for the afternoon. Like, you go and you you end up spending the night. Yeah, and Harry's like, damn it, I'm here, I'm gonna stay. Can't get to the bedrooms, whatever, I'll sleep somewhere else. (laughs) So, he leaves on the 24th. And, again, doesn't think anything of this except, mm-hmm. wow, what a wasted trip. Well, he delivered the mail. Well, he, d- he did do that. <clears throat> February 14th, Harry comes back, probably with like a valentine or something. More important <laughs> mail. <laughs> and the men are still not there. The mail that he had brought is still on the table. The note is still on the door. He does mention that John's horse whose name is Thelma, was missing, which this account pointed out, he didn't mention that Jim's horse was missing, and so it is kind of implied that Jim's horse was there. Like, if you get someone, you're like, oh, Thelma's missing, you just assume the other one's there. Right. He would have mentioned it. So Otherwise, you'd say Thelma and Louise are missing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I really hope the other horse's name was Louise. (laughs) So, Thelma's missing. Baron, the dog, is there, but very, very hungry and seems neglected. Was 
neither the horses nor the dog was there when Harry came the last time, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. And so Harry kind of now realizes something is probably wrong, feeds Baron, don't worry. Thank you. Um, <laughs> searches the station, can't find anything, so he stays another night, because again, hello, long traveling. Yep. And then he leaves the next day. He takes Baron with him, which, good man, Harry. Yep. He's like, you're not staying here, you poor malnourished dog. Come with me. I don't know where Jim is, but he ain't here and he ain't been here for <laughs> a while. You're no longer his dog. Whoa. Yeah. Like, so that's like three weeks later yeah. from the time that he was there delivering mail. So, mm-hmm. like, I mean, there's no telling where Baron was yeah. when he was there last time. Yeah. But possibly but, three weeks of, you know, yeah. neglect. So he takes Baron with him and they leave the next day and he sends a telegram as soon as he's able to the owners of the station to say, like, something is wrong. On February 23rd, one of the owners, whose name was Arthur Phillips, arrives at the station with Harry and they both search, like, more extensively. Does this owner have a copy of a key to the locked places? Yes. (laughs) All right, take a sip, everyone. Oh. I, I knew it as soon as I asked the question. I was like, man, he probably does. I'm jumping the gun. Because <laughs> like, it sounds like it's getting serious yeah. on the investigating part. Yes. So they do a more thorough search. And two days after they arrive, they make a discovery near Conglomerate Creek, about 420 paces southeast of the station. It was Jim's really badly decomposed body. Partially buried, newspaper reports at the time said that his head had been removed and was, like, off a ways. But that was not true. His head was still connected, but apparently, I guess the way he was, like, half buried, it was like his head was kind of protruding from one area. And, and his, like, legs were yeah. from another area. And it was pretty obvious he had been buried in a shallow grave, but the dingoes had gotten to him and uncovered part of it. And they were able to identify him from the remaining pieces of clothes, a belt, and a tobacco pouch. So, presumably his face was not really recognizable. I mean, there's no telling. And this is January, February in Australia, so that's summer. Summer, yeah. Which Uh I get very confused about the seasons, because later they'll talk about snow in November. And... I just don't know what the seasons down there are like. I was like, well, maybe we went far enough south that it, like, flipped it. I don't know. I'm like, they're close to I mean, that would be like a a late spring snow. So, like, you know, here, it's not the craziest thing in the world, especially the further north you go. It's not the craziest thing in the world to get, like, a mid-March snowstorm. Yeah. You know, that's a, it's a really late winter, early spring snow. It yeah. still happens. Yeah. Presuming right now, though, in February, it's pretty warm and this body decomposed, decomposed pretty quickly. We're going to assume that. Yes. So, because it's 1918 and they're in the middle of nowhere and they have now found this badly decaying body, they're like, okay, we need to contact the police, which means we have to travel a long ways. We're not going to take this stinky body with us. We're going to rebury it in the ground. <laughs> well, to preserve it from I, I, the dingoes yeah, who are just sense. probably going to dig it up again. The first time I read that, though, I was like, wait, <laughs> that's tampering, isn't it? 
And I was like, well, I guess... They don't really have forensics. And, yeah, and also, what else are he they He was gonna... identified by a tobacco pouch. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like, let's be realistic here. Jim had a tobacco pouch just like that. <laughs> so, they rebury him, and they go to Mansfield to contact the police. And several days later, because again, it's 1918, the police set out to Wanagata... I've said it different every time. It's about an 80-mile trek. They collect Jim's body, and they send it for a post-mortem examination. And then, because they've just traveled 80 miles, and as we've established, once, you've, once you're there, you've got to stay for a bit. They stay at the station overnight. And <laughs> I guess they didn't think the station itself was a crime st- I don't know. They didn't... <laughs> They're like, well, this is where we're staying, uh-huh. and, and technically, probably a murder happened here, but also we need to eat, and there's a kitchen. So they prepared a meal. <laughs> they made dinner, and as they were making dinner, they discovered that the pepper shaker was laced with strychnine. How did they discover that? I don't really know. <laughs> I could not. That's a, that's a pretty... It's significant, but then also... It's never going to come up again. They just casually found, but like, the pepper had been poisoned. That's that's a serious poison. I that's know. a super deadly one. Like, I don't know a ton about strychnine. Like, I don't I don't know if it's colorless or odorless or what. You know, but I should have texted your husband about this. I feel like I just need to start studying poisons and make you <laughs> even more suspicious of me. Even Make the children even more convinced you're a witch. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to just start hanging herbs oh my from gosh, their porch. Please do. Dried flowers. and Oh my gosh. Yes. Can't wait for your baby to be here. <laughs> <laughs> my creature. <laughs> so they discover the random poisoned pepper. They also discover... So I it's guess... a pretty significant non sequitur to throw in there. I'm, <laughs> I'm very upset about this. When I tell you it has no bearing on the case, it never comes up again. So I. That's like they were. It's they might as well have said we were gonna make a sandwich, but there was a little bit of bre- uh, mold on the cheese, so we didn't use it. It's like they're at Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment making dinner, and they're like, "Well, there was a head in the fridge, but we just got some condiments." <laughs> but behind that, the bologna still seemed good, so totally fresh. Yeah. So they they do kind of do a police investigation of the place, I guess. While we're here, we might as well look around, make sure, see if the crime occurred here. (laughs) I mean, we don't know just yet because we haven't gotten him back for that (laughs) autopsy, but it's possible he was poisoned by the strychnine in the pepper. They're like, it's going to be several months before we find out what killed him. I don't know. So. So upset. (laughs) So they discover Jim's shotgun in his bedroom. And they discover that it has been fired fairly recently. They found one empty cartridge in the room, and they found what appeared to be drag marks leading from the bedroom out of the house. Bloody drag marks or scratches on the floor drag marks? I'm going to say scratches on the floor because the other weird thing is they never say that there was any blood in the house. So when they developed this theory that Jim was shot in his bedroom... I'm like, well, surely they would have mentioned if there was, like, brain matter everywhere. It's a shotgun. It's a shotgun. <laughs> it sprays, like, and can't... whatever you hit is gonna splatter. Yeah, you can't... It's sh- not just one 
one puncture wound. Yeah. It's a lot of little puncture wounds. And they're all gonna splatter. You can't really shoot one inside without there being, like, extremely obvious evidence that it's been shot inside. And you certainly can't shoot a human. And unless the barrel's, like, right up against the chest or the head or where whatever part of the body that you're aiming at, there's probably gonna be buckshot around, like, in the walls or furniture or on the floors at the very least. There's there's gonna be plenty of evidence. I'm not a detective. It's very confusing. Why is there strychnine in the poison (laughs) the pepper shaker? You're never gonna know. I'm not gonna sleep tonight. Well, to be fair, you weren't gonna sleep tonight anyways. I know, but at least now I have something to think about. (laughs) Okay, so they also find that Jim's razor, handgun, and his good suit were missing. Also, his horse and saddle were missing, which we kind of already knew. Wait, no, we didn't. Did we? John. Mm. Sorry. John's horse. Okay. I'm telling you, the names really got me. So, Jim's razor and handgun. And good suit. And good suit are missing. Yes. And Thelma is missing with her saddle. I thought Thelma was Jim's horse. Thelma is... Hold on. John's horse. John's horse is Thelma. Okay. Jim's horse is Louise. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Louise is still there. Presumably. Okay, so John's horse and the saddle were missing. So it's looking like John got saddled up Thelma uh-huh. and rode off into the sunset mm-hmm. with Jim's handgun, good suit, and razor. Yes. All sellable things. Yes. Slash a suit to make him look nicer. Yeah, you know, because it's For selling are... guns and razors. <laughs> uh, well, you don't trust a razor salesman who's not wearing a good suit. That's, That's right. how you can tell their quality. The Gillette razors are. Well, I'm imagining this is like a, a straight razor that, you know, <laughs> you buy one He's just, and you use it forever and you just, just sharpen it when one. you need to. One more thing that was missing were 19 check butts from Jim's checkbook. And I couldn't tell if that meant, when I see check butts, mm-hmm. I'm thinking like the little, little tabby stub. part. Yeah, the stub, which are useless if you're going to. Like, that's, like, the stuff you leave behind anyways. Yeah. But it kind of, it implies... Yeah, for, like, that, when you reconcile your checkbook later. Yeah. I feel like they're implying that checks were taken. I don't know. But the checks were never, like, there were no checks ever cashed. Uh-huh. So, again, I don't know what the... I don't know. Or maybe the checks had been cashed a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And Jim found out that John was stealing from him, uh, and, and he took so evidence. he took the basically the the receipts. I yeah. guess yeah uh, would be a less confusing word. The, <laughs> the proof that yes these checks have been yes. written. That's all the evidence they find at the station. When they are going back to town, they run into Thelma running free with no saddle or bridle. She's just a wild horse. How they knew it was her, I don't know how everyone... I don't know how you identify a horse that you... By the look in her eye. Maybe never seen before. (laughs) Well, she was a talking horse. I feel like even though it's, you know, a very expansive area Mm -hmm. and, you know, everyone's really spread out, I feel like it's still... Everyone knows everyone (laughs) and everyone, like, when you do come to town, like, you know, like... Albert recognizes that person yeah. and that horse. Yeah. And... You see a horse running around, you're like, that's John Bamford's horse. Yeah. Plus, yeah. uh, might have been branded. 
Oh, yeah. I forgot people did that. Mm -hmm. That's awful. Um, But she naked. (laughs) Yeah, she's naked. So, they get back to town. Postmortem comes back on Jim, and cause of death was a shot in the back of the head with a shotgun. There should be... If he was shot in his bedroom, there should be brain matter and yeah, there, there bits sh- of skull everywhere. Yes, there should be. Like on the walls and the ceilings. Like, it should be <laughs> obvious. And they also determined that he had been dead for several weeks when he had been discovered. And police estimate his time of death to be between December 21st and January 4th. Which, I'm going back in my time run, timeline really quick. wonder how good they were. Because, like, forensics was... Yeah. New slash still kind of not really a thing. Like, yeah. I was just, I'm just curious as to how accurate they were on Well, and then like December 28th is when the Gold Brothers yeah. possibly heard them. So, yeah. possibly not dead then. And then January 22nd is the first time Harry comes to the station. And, like, yes, it's suspicious, but, like, no one was there, including their horses and the dog. Mm-hmm. So also seems likely to me that Jim was alive then too. So their timeline seems very off to me. I mean, they probably assume that because he's probably, you know, it's probably the rate of decomp, but like, this is why we have things like the body, the farm. body farm, take a drink. everyone. <laughs> I just took one. So this is why we have things like the body farm so that you can see in different conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the rate of decomp is uh, along with a myriad of other, purposes too but this is one of the big reasons here is as we already established it was a a shallow grave Mm -hmm. that was partially uncovered due to scavenger activity Mm -hmm. so that's already going to contribute to its decomposition and appearance but also this is warmer months yeah that it's there and uh i just i don't know i don't trust their uh (laughs) although you could think of australia in the 20th century to, like, Europeans as, like, one big body farm because I feel like a bunch of white people were just out there in the bush dying. And, I mean, I could be wrong, but Australia seems like a very inhospitable place to me. I mean, John could have killed Jim Mm -hmm. and, you know, dug the shallow grave and buried him and then gone off with the horses... At some point, and maybe Baron, or maybe Baron was sitting by Jim's maybe grave. Baron when... was riding one of the horses. <laughs> a little bit more far fetched than my theory, but we'll run with it later. Uh, but what I'm thinking is like maybe John has, you know, maybe right. gone to town mm-hmm. to like see if he can sell some things or whatever, mm-hmm. or he's just not there and Baron is with. Jim's body right. while Harry's visiting that first time. Right. And then when he comes back, Baron has come back to the house looking yeah. for food and whatnot. I just remembered that Baron is the name of Baby Trump. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I suddenly don't like it as a name for a dog anymore. <laughs> I liked it up at first. And then, and then I just started picturing a Baby <laughs> Trump running around in Australia. This episode of The Tales We Tell is brought to you by The Crafty Criminologist. Do you love cute and creepy stationery and stickers? What about ghoulish earrings and adorable ghosts? Then check out The Crafty Criminologist on Etsy and Instagram. She makes stickers, jewelry, study guides, and more. Just go to etsy.com and search at Crafty Criminologist 
and be sure to use code the tales we tell at checkout for 15% off your order. That's the tales we tell for 15% off. Okay, here is a quote from Detective Alex McCarroll. I am of the opinion that Barclay, which was Jim, mm-hmm. and Bamford, which was John. God, even their last names. I know. This is why I had to go with first names because I was like, I don't remember who's who. Um, you can't okay. even go with initials either. <laughs> I know. <laughs> JB shot JB <laughs> in JB's room. Yes. With JB's gun. <laughs> okay, I am of the opinion that Barclay and Bamford had an argument over working matters and that Bamford, John, loaded the gun and shot Barclay, Jim. He removed his work clothes and dressed himself in Barclay's suit which is missing, saddled his horse, and after dragging the deceased to the creek, rode the horse away. Translation, John was their number one suspect. They just assumed John did it. I have problems with that theory (laughs) for a couple of reasons. The biggest one being, why are you putting on the nicest suit before you handle the bloody body? And I don't know why he put it in that order. Like, he could have very easily said, (laughs) switch those around. Go, yeah. Go, you deal with the bo- the body, mm-hmm. and then you put on the suit, So, and you get rid of your yeah. soiled, bloody clothes. Yeah. I would even suggest maybe after you bury the body in the shallow grave by the creek, maybe take a little quick bath in the creek. Wash yourself off. This maybe is take a sh- do a shave one with of that razor. instances where the, the detectives are dumber than the criminals truly in are. this one. So, either like he's way. He's making himself sound dumber yes. than the criminals. <laughs> So either way, they, they're like, John probably killed Jim and then buried him and then ran off. And oh and well. then came back to throw some strychnine and a pepper shaker <laughs> to throw everyone off. To throw everyone off. And then left again. Yes, yes, yes. So there was a statewide search for John in a 200-pound reward for information on the murder, which you know my favorite thing to do. <laughs> 200 pounds um, in 1918 would be 6,000 54 pounds and 65 whatever their version of cents are or $8,280.03 US currency today 2022 so a decent decent reward for Tim one man did come forward claiming to be John and claiming to have murdered Jim he's like oh that's me I get the reward now right but it turns out he was just some random guy who was delusional you can't redeem (laughs) the reward While you're in jail. I like to think that he did that. He came forward and was like, I know who murdered Jim. And they're like, who? And he's like, me. And they're like, well, what about John? Yeah, that's me. I'm John. Can I have the 200 pounds now? And then they said, you're under arrest. And then thankfully they said, you're not John. <laughs> um, okay. November 18th. Here's the snow, which is a side note to this. November of 1918, Harry Smith, along with a mounted constable and two other men, were searching the Mount Howitt area, presumably for John, or like signs of John, when they noticed a boot sticking out from a pile of logs near the Howitt Plains Hunt. And that boot was attached to a body, and that was the body of John Barclay, and he was dead. And postmortem showed that he died from a bullet to the head. They did not... From Jim's handgun? <laughs> well, they didn't say that. But they also didn't mention, like, if his body was decomposed. Like, they didn't mm-hmm. say they found the badly decomposed body of John. Mm-hmm. 
But they noted that the route to get back to Mansfield was under a blanket of snow. And so they had to, like, go to somewhere else. So I was, I was like, well, maybe it snowed and that preserved the body some. But also it's November. All of this took place almost a year ago. So what? And they don't mention the time of death, the estimated time of death for John. Just that he is dead. I mean, he could have been there for a while, and depending on how much it snows, mm-hmm. you know, through, you know, June, July, on August, mm-hmm. September, October, like, wintertime, um, he could have been there and preserved. And you said it's a mount something, so I'm assuming it's an actual mountain. Yeah, yeah. So he could have been fairly well preserved, yeah. especially if there's not a lot of scavenger activity. My working theory right now is that... John killed Jim, but John had an accomplice. Okay. So, like, John had, like, a business partner. They were embezzling or mm-hmm. stealing from Jim. Okay. Jim found out about it. John killed him. Took off with Thelma. Mm-hmm. Went and got his buddy. They came back, did some stuff. Mm-hmm. Took Thelma and Louise mm-hmm. and rode off. And uh, John's partner in crime was like... Got greedy. Screw this. Mm-hmm. I don't need you anymore. Mm-hmm. Got rid of John. Mm-hmm. And then maybe took Thelma with him back to town. Sold the saddle and the bridle. Right. And just said, get on, little girl. Okay. Go run around unbridled and free. <laughs> That's actually and, a really good theory. <laughs> and, uh, well, at first, you know, the partner was like, when he came back with John. Mm-hmm. To, you know, maybe finish burying the body or do mm-hmm. some cleaning up or whatever. He's like, you know what? We're going to have to be here for, you know, a night or two because mm-hmm. can't travel. Can't travel at night. So, uh, I'm probably going to go ahead and turn on John. Yeah. I think the easiest thing to do will be poison the pepper with strychnine. <laughs> <laughs> you really want the, the poisonous pepper to come back. There has to be a reason. Do you want to know what the police's theory is now? Now that you have laid out a nice one? Probably something real dumb. Um, so they think that John shot Jim, and then later, friends of Jim shot John in revenge. And just no, didn't tell anyone. Months later. I mean, that's not actually a ridiculous... It's I mean, not, but it's kind this of is a the lazy wild West. theory. Kind of a lazy theory in my opinion. All of their police work has been lazy. It's Why is there strychnine <laughs> in the pepper shaker? And how do you know for certain it's strychnine? Kitty, because it takes a really long time to get anywhere. Okay? By the time they get there, they're tired. And they just can't. They forgot. Okay? They were going to tell someone, but then they found Thelma running around naked. and Unbridled and free. Then <laughs> they forgot about the pepper. Wind flowing through her gorgeous mane. I know Thelma really has a great ending to this because mm-hmm. I assume she's, she's the hero of our story. I assume she gets to stay a wild horse forever. <laughs> okay, so now they're like, well, sh- John was our suspect. Now he's dead. I guess we should try and figure out who killed him. But and- also, vigilante <laughs> justice, like, do we really need to investigate this? Or can we just, like... He was a bad guy. He was real surly. Like, <laughs> is anyone sad that he's gone? I heard he might have strangled his wife. So. <laughs> I mean... So now this is, like, two murders he's probably guilty of? Probably, like, yeah. 
you know, like, one murder, Someone sure, t- we should figure out who killed him, but, like, two murders, this guy is almost a serial killer. Yeah. Someone basically We should just be favor. okay with the vigilante justice yeah, 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 yeah. angle. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so, suspicion briefly fell on Harry Smith, because he was there. He inserted himself into the situation yeah. and the investigation and everything. And here's the thing. I think it makes sense if... Okay, let me start with this. They said that the reasons that disproved Harry as a viable suspect were that he was there when both bodies were discovered, which to me is like, no, that makes him a suspect. He knew where both bodies were. Mm-hmm. He can, can, you know, surreptitiously lead them yeah. to where the bodies are. And then he would have had to engage in, quote, complex deception about the discovery of Barclay's body. I'm like, they're... No, he wouldn't. He would... <laughs> No, he no just, more complex than why were you at the station like yeah delivering he, mail okay yeah like not complex guys just so it's not that hard both of those don't seem like good reasons but then they did point out well him and Jim were friends and he would have had he killed John and then like pretended to discover everything he would have theoretically had knowingly left his friend's body like out in the wilderness to just be eaten by dingoes which is you know maybe unlikely and there also wasn't any actual evidence to suggest that harry was involved which hasn't actually stopped the police so far of any like from anything i mean (laughs) evidence is very arbitrary to them i i think there'd be more motive for him to kill john Uh like maybe he came back and then like did you know, like, ran into John and, like, where's Jim? And yeah. they got into an argument. And yeah. Like, oh, well, I I killed Jim. Like, yeah. well, fine, I'm going to kill you now. Yeah. Again, that one makes more sense than Harry being involved in Jim's murder in any yeah. way. Unless there is some motive. Because you said he's the stepson of the owner of the station. The original owner. The original owner. owner. Yeah. So not so, even the current owner. Like, unless he's trying, like... Like even still, like I don't, I don't see like financial motivation. Yeah, for it, him, there's not really. I mean, it does make sense for him to kill Jim or sorry, John, John as if, revenge. Yeah, after he has discovered Jim's body or just discovered that Jim is yeah, murdered. and then like conveniently happened to be on in the search party that found John. I think if it's any of the characters from our story so far. Mm-hmm. I think it's the Gold Brothers. Ooh. I think that when they stopped by and they heard mm-hmm. uh, the the two guys and the dog barking and stuff, mm-hmm. they did actually run into John. Mm. And maybe they're the business partners on the okay. side. Okay. Well, let me tell you about some theories. Because Harry to, was never charged with anything. Good. I don't think he should be. So, one theory was... Detective Katie says (laughs) his alibi checks out. One theory is that horse thieves came in and killed them, except Thelma was the only horse missing and she was later found. So, not a great motive. Doesn't hold a lot of water. (laughs) There was a theory that Jim had been killed by the jealous husband of a woman he was sleeping with, because apparently Jim was a little bit of a ladies' man. Like the... The, the lonely... The lonely widower. Rugged widower is appealing. Just, just looking for some comfort. You know. And... No judges. 
So with this theory, the Adele's husband kills Jim, and then John had been a witness. And I don't know why they threw these in. Oh, because Jim... <laughs> this is another great police uh, uh, detective... They're just deduction. trying to write, like, a <laughs> film noir detective novel. <laughs> Apparently, when they found Jim's body, a shoe and a hat had been placed near his groin. And I feel like they just did some word association, and they're like, the shoe is near his groin. His groin is near his penis. Penis, sex, sex, lady, affair, husband, jealous husband. <laughs> You see, <laughs> he got himself entangled with this one dame. <laughs> and the lady, see, she had her old man, what found out about it, wasn't too happy to be sharing his dame with no other ranch hand man. Sh- well, they're in Australia, so she'd be a Sheila. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm also still on the whole, like, <laughs> film noir thing. So, like, everything now is taking, in my head, is taking place in black and white. In like a except for the color red, nice. In like a, a dark office where the only light is coming through some blinds, mm-hmm. yeah. And somebody's the detective is sitting there in the dark, swirling his whiskey glass yeah, with a cigarette in the ashtray, mm-hmm. yeah. The smoke beautifully <laughs> curling up. <laughs> okay, so this theory didn't go anywhere because yeah. there's no, <laughs> there's no evidence. So, another theory is based on the fact that when the owners of the station sold it in 1919, they recorded the number of cattle as about half of what they were expecting. And so, there was a theory then that maybe cattle thieves came in and murdered, which makes sense, but also... I think that's possible, especially based off what very little I know of that time and place. From the movie Australia, <laughs> it was about cattle ranching. Yeah, it, but to me, it also seems like because they were like, "Well, some of the, I guess we just lost half of our cattle to like regular Australia stuff." But it seems <laughs> it seems like if you're gonna kill two men for the cattle, wouldn't you try to take most of them? Not like not really a noticeable number <laughs> until you're selling it. I mean, this is, it's probably in really large numbers as is. Yeah. And if you're trying to steal, like, a herd of cattle, yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly inconspicuous. Like, even, yeah. out, in the, even out in the bush, like, <laughs> each couple guys just driving some cows along, like, oh, okay, who are I, you? Like, let me see the brands on these cows. Like, where are you from? And so... I, I could I could see cattle thieves as a possibility, yeah. but I could also just see that like when the the ranchers aren't around actually taking care of their herd, yeah. then to, totally natural for a lot of them to wander off or be you know become yeah. victim to other Australia I was things. Say, cattle's wander off sometimes, and then realize that the singular of cattle would be cow or just cattle. Cattle is cow. cattle a plural? term in general um uh, uh, cattle i think refers to multiple multiple cows. so a singular one you would say a cow wandered off yeah. not a cattle or cattles yeah. <laughs> okay a cow wandered off but i think it was multiple cows yes <laughs> some cattle may have wandered off i think 
And I could be totally off base here, but I think, like, the differentiation between cows versus mm-hmm. cattle, I think it's probably a size thing. Probably. Like, there's a lot of cows in the pasture, mm-hmm. but we're talking about a herd of cattle. True. I'm going to say a, perhaps a bovine wandered off and just cover all my bases. Yeah. Um, okay, there's another thing. I want to look, look that up now. <laughs> it doesn't bother me as much as strychnine in the pepper shaker, but whatever. You have a lot of things to think about tonight. Yeah. There's another theory based off the fact that Jim had written to his friend Jack, who I think his name was actually also John. I was waiting for but- a Jack. I think his name is John, but he went by Jack. Too many freaking Johns already. (laughs) Jim had written to him in the days before his murder and told him that he had received a threatening letter and that he was fearful for his life. He also had recently bought a pistol and carried it loaded with him at all times. And years later, Harry Smith would say that he was also fearful of his life at the same time and slept with... You live in the bush in Australia. You should be fearful for your life. Yeah. That was my explanation for that. I was like, there's a lot of things to be scared of in Australia in general, but specifically in 1918, Australia, in, like, remote... In remote areas. Yeah, absolutely. You should be scared of a lot of things. And then they never specified, like, Harry never clarified, like, I was scared of this one particular person because he threatened me in this way. It was just, oh, well, I slept with two loaded guns next to me. And I was like, well, that could be for... I don't know. Dingoes, kangaroos are really mean. They have a lot of really big spiders there. Snakes, uh, strange men lying in ponds distributing swords. Sorry, strange women lying yeah. in ponds distributing swords. Um. So there's that. Handing out swords. <laughs> and then finally, we have an account by Billy Y, who was a Famous bush poet. Billy, why are you in this story? No relation to Billy Nye, the science guy. (laughs) Um, Billy Y wrote a letter on August 30th, 1948. And according to him, he knew exactly what happened. 30 years later? 30 years later. He said, well, he knows exactly who killed Jim. It was four men. They had targeted Jim because he was, in fact, having an affair. Unclear if it was a married woman or just a woman, you know, that had well, no agency. I mean, <laughs> it, I think she would have to be for it to be an affair, right? Because he's he's not married. I feel like they just called, like, premarital sex an affair. Because her husband is not mentioned, just her father and one of her brothers. Okay. And I feel like if the father's going after... I mean, yeah, you can call it an affair if there's, like, a sexual relationship. That doesn't have to be, you know... Yeah. You know, a spouse for one, but... I don't know. Well, anyways. Jim was allegedly sleeping with a woman. And the woman's father and one of her brothers allegedly confessed on their deathbeds. Which... I don't... 100% trust alleged deathbed confessions. Also, according to this poet, John saw the murder take place, so he's now a witness. The men, like, took him captive, made him dig Jim's grave, and then tied him to Thelma and shot him in the back while she was carrying him away. 
And I guess then he fell off of her at some point. But when they found him, there was no saddle. Right? Yeah, I don't... It's just... Listen, none of these theories actually make sense. Was there any evidence when they found the body that he had been tied to a horse? I don't know. (laughs) And then, most likely, if he fell off, he was probably dragged and half-trampled for quite some time until he came loose from Thelma. I have no idea. And... My last bullet point is that the murders have remained unsolved to this day. Yeah. And also, no no one ever connected the poisonous pepper to anything. So, uh, there's the mystery of the Wanagata murders. And I guess now would be a great time for me to look up how to actually say that word. I'm going to look it up. Wanangata. Wanangata. That doesn't sound right. Let me find an Australian pronunciation. Alpine National Park, Wanangata, Moroka Unit. Wanangata. I'm trying to find one that has an Australian... Oh, how do you say Wanangata Station? Um, Oh, this is the one I'm looking for. Because it's got the different Australian. Here we go. Wanangata Station. Wanangata. Wanangata Station. Wanangata Station. Wanangata Station. Okay, I like that one. Wanangata. So the Wanangata murders. And they're all obviously linked the sources that I used, but there's a cool one called harryshut.net. And it's a whole site that's dedicated to Harry's little hut. And it's got pictures and all sorts of stuff. I'm just going to go ahead and warn everyone again for next week. Because this was the last good one you're going to get for at least a week. <laughs> yeah, this was warm and fuzzy. This, Yeah, this was warm and fuzzy, our poisonous pepper. And if you have any theories that are better than the police's theories, let us know. Tell us what you think happened with the pepper. <laughs> Give Katie some theories for when she's up at night. And <laughs> I will be. I was going to tell everyone to be safe, and I was like, wait. Not everyone is on the verge of ice apocalypse like us. we are. Yeah, if you are uh, in the in the way of Jasper's wrath, his name is Jasper the Storm. Hmm. Um, be safe, and I guess we will see everyone next week. Bye. Who put strychnine <laughs> in a pepper shaker? <laughs> I thought we were gonna say it at the same time. <laughs>